Virginia Lacrosse Talk lives on the best seat in the house. Welcome back to the program. I'm Luke Near, your host and also voice of Virginia Men's Lacrosse here on the flagship station WINA. Glad to be joined for the second time in season by UVA head coach Lars Tiffany to reflect on early results from his men and preview Sunday action from Klockner as Ohio State will be in town. Coach, I got to begin by saying I'm enjoying the heck out of this season and the product already two games in, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. Good evening. Hey, good evening, Luke. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be back on the show with you, and thank you for all the attention uh, that UVA lacrosse gets. Let's begin by illuminating some of the differences with this year's team from a style and demeanor standpoint. That's what I'm witnessing, at least. Last year's squad was, in my mind, your most talented, experienced team in the era. And I'd even put them over the 19 team and the 21 team. But as we all know in sports, sometimes the favorite doesn't always hoist the trophy in the last weekend of May. Uh, they were so professional and businesslike, and goals were almost expected. This year, I'm seeing maybe a little less talent and experience, definitely, but more intensity and fire. Tell me if you're seeing any of that as well, and what you're noticing as far as different nuances of this current team that is still under the brand of Virginia lacrosse, but certainly different. Well, to be honest with you, Luke, I could just say exactly what Luke just said. That, that's exactly what it is, <laughs> and I feel the same way. I look at this 24 Virginia lacrosse team, and it feels a lot like the 19 team that um, was a little younger, didn't have the big, big game playoff experience, but they were hungry, and there was a really, really tight camaraderie. After winning the titles in 19 and 21, we naturally change a little bit. You try not to, Mm -hmm. but I'm looking at seasoned veterans going, all right, we don't have to work as insanely hard in the fall. i got to make sure they stay healthy. And that was the approach for 23. And uh, it was working fine, you know, until uh, we gave up that two-goal lead in the Final Four with two minutes left. And, uh, and we went off rail there. But, um, but what you're seeing is the, the product of more starting spots and playing time to be fought for and earned for the 24 season, which made the fall, sure. our offseason, very intense. And, and I was able to push this group more. And um, and they could handle it, and so that was uh, been really rewarding coaching a team. I mean, I'll tell you, Tuesday's practice was ridiculous energy. It was ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense was barking at the offense. We had a couple scraps. I love it. Uh, and during the practice, which we are we think is great between the white lines, you know, not when you walk off those white lines, and uh, and it's just it's it's really is a different vibe now. I'd be remiss if I said we're really young and inexperienced because obviously you got Peyton Cormier and Connor Schellenberg down there in our attack. Matt Noon's back in goal for his third year. So there's nice balance of veteran experience. Uh, but yeah, you, you've picked up on it. There's, there's a different juice this year. I think a decent portion of that is stemming from McCabe Millen. I'm not trying to be cliche by, by talking about the, the number one recruit in the country, but he kind of reminds me of opponents in the past who you faced, or even in the present like the Cavadaugh bros, who just get under my skin and are a bear to go against, except he's on our side, so that's the difference. I remember when you first <laughs> arrived here, you wanted players to play aggressively and celebrate every goal. That's what I'm seeing from him, and I think it's contagious. Uh, just talk about what he's been doing through two games. You're right. It's uh, you know, for someone who's uh, eighteen or nineteen years old, it's, it's uh, this is really exciting. There's a youthful ignorance and, and bliss and enthusiasm we pick up from from McCabe, and 
and uh, and that joy de vivre is is wonderful to be around. And 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 he's got the talent to back it up to play to be a starter for us as a first year. That that doesn't happen very often, as you know. Um, yeah, but yeah, and throwing his body around and being super excited about every little thing that's good and um, and then maturing. I mean. I'll be honest with you, with the Richmond game, there was about four or five things we pointed out in the film the next day on Sunday when we watched as a team. And, you know, some things he didn't, he made some mistakes on, but he's got the maturity and poise to accept that, you know, and, um, and, and that's the only way to get better. So we're, uh, we're really lucky to have him. And, and you're right. I mean, this is, he's going to be one of those guys that three years from now, our opponent's going to be like, oh my gosh, he's still there. Mm hmm. Lars Tiffany is my guest of the best seat in the house. We're talking Virginia Benson Cross. I, I would have stayed with the attackman, and I would have touched on Schellenberger and Millen together. Since they're both so versatile and can dodge on the wing or come up a pipe from behind the goal, is that versatility a means of getting you out of little funks or getting them out of little funks that can occur during a game and will occur? For example, McCabe scored a couple early against Richmond, and then they adapted and started uh, sliding a little bit quicker and – you know, it hit a little bit of a rut, like you mentioned, but then he became effective again when he moved behind the cage at X and started facilitating. Touch on those two and Connor as well and how potentially you can move them around and switch them back and forth for a different look to sort of get out of ruts. Yeah, once again, you've nailed it. You know, McCabe had those two early goals for us against Richmond, and um, and then we saw earlier earlier slides to him, and then became the feeder, and he got the two assists in the second half. And so... That adaptability is uh, is really wonderful. It's uh, it's beyond his years, actually, for a first year. And then, meanwhile, there's Connor Schellenberger, you know, the uh, the quarterback of this machine for the last couple of years mm-hmm. over there as well. So it does present a problem for the opposing defense. Like, wow, there's two facilitators over there, and uh, how do we deal with both of them? Um, and so, yeah, you're right. One can be nicked up a little bit. One could be in a little bit of a slow start, or one could have a ridiculous matchup. One could be guarded, uh-huh. be guarded by the best defender in the country, and you know we can bang our heads against the wall and beat them once in a while, or we say, "All right, you know, it's the other guy's day," um, and um, and let that man be the uh, the quarterback of the offense. So it's uh, it's wonderful. Now, having said all that, our opponent coming up in a couple of days, Ohio State has two of the most elite defenders in the game, and Marcus yeah, Hutchins big and Bobby Van Buren. And so this will be, uh, you know, this is this is probably one of the few teams that can say, hey, we got two dudes to guard their two dudes. Did you foresee not only your attackmen, but also your offensive midfielders adapting to Kevin's offensive philosophy in the system as quickly as they have thus far? Yes, there, uh, there really is a, a great adaptation. And um, I'm, uh, I'm really lucky. You know, you have Sean Kerwin uh, as my... You know, as uh, my offensive coordinator for nine years, mm-hmm. two in Providence and seven here in Charlottesville. You know, it's uh, it, it, those are massive footprints to follow in, and yet Kevin Cassis comes in with such wisdom and experience, and he's done a fantastic, fantastic job with uh, with the offense. I think the adjustment really is um, Kevin as he gets better and better and more used to our competition. You know, we've seen most of the, our opponents before. This is Kevin's first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, playing Richmond, uh, I've seen Paul Richards, defense coordinator for the Spiders, his aggressive slides and staying on doubles and, and really good crease coverage defense before. And so 
you've got to you got to attack it in certain ways. You got to be multiple. And for Kevin, that was a bit of a learning experience. Now we still scored 14 goals. And uh, I remember our first couple of years against Richmond, we weren't scoring that many goals. We, we beat him eight seven my first year. Yeah. So so Kevin's doing a really nice job. But it's interesting as we get ready for Ohio State that you know and and games beyond that, you know, for Kevin, he's he's showing that he's quick, a quick learner and adaptable because his opponents for the most part are new to him. That's true. And if we're all honest with ourselves, when he was you know trying to punch up in the Lehigh days, he didn't necessarily have the horses that he has now. So I'm sure that's an adaptation that is going to be uh, throughout the entire season. Lars, Tiffany is my guest on the best seat in the house. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at Ohio State, and let's go to the face-off X, because so far, so good. You're going up against Tommy Burke this upcoming Sunday, and he's been outstanding for the Buckeyes thus far, but so is Gabriel. And also the men on the wings. Has that been one of the more pleasant surprises of the early season? Not only the success on face-offs against quality opponents, but also the wing play and did we all forget about Ben Ware's providence after he was sidelined to injury? Yeah, you're exactly right about the pleasant surprise. I, I, part of me thinks, should I, should I just lie to Luke and the listeners? Like, no, we expected this, but that'd be lying. We, we just weren't sure what was, was going to happen in the face-off X post-PD LaSala era. And, and the first couple scrimmages, we just didn't really see what we were hoping to see. But now, after playing a, a talented Justin Wheatfelt of Michigan and um, – and and Richmond's Cheney, we're 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 doing well. And Anthony Gobriel is leading the charge along with uh, Thomas Colucci. So it's been a wonderful, wonderful reality of having the ball more than we don't have the ball, mm-hmm. um, which was really critical against Richmond because uh, we struggled a little bit there uh, in the middle two quarters. And uh, but luckily we we're getting the ball back after Richmond would score. So then. Don't yeah, as you did. Don't we? We can't forget the faceoff wings. You know what? Uh, Joey Trenzi, Noah Chismar, Chase Yeager doing the faceoff wings at Shortstick, and then Ben Ware. Man, mm-hmm. is he a man possessed. Yeah. Um, ben missed last year uh, for some issues that were going on in his life. Um, he straightened himself out, and he is a completely different man. He's not a victim. He is taking charge and ownership of his life and his decisions, and he is like a mountain man coming down with a battle axe. Um, and he is here to compete and battle and not make excuses. It's uh, uh, We have a heck of an LSM on our roster right now. What a cool comparison. Uh, great analogy right there as far as the battle axe uh, man coming down for the mountain. I love it. Lars Tiffany is my guest. Uh, a couple more questions. Hey, we haven't talked about Peyton yet and uh, breaking the Doug Knight mark. Which was outstanding, and um, you know he's been so prolific. You know, no matter what, if he gets shut out in the first half, I know he's at least going to put up a hat trick. But did you at least give him a little bit of ribbing for his shooting percentage back on Saturday? Yeah, it, I didn't because I think we all know what was happening. He, he, everybody wanted him to yeah. break Doug Knight's UVA goal scoring record, and everybody was feeding him. And so, if you throw the ball to Peyton, and he's you know, within the area code of the goal, he's going to shoot the ball. Uh-huh. And, and that's his job. And it's, so we just, we probably fed him too much. And he probably was forcing some things too. There's no question. You know, one of 12 at one point, I think. And uh, he finally got that record. And uh, so the hope is for the rest of us, like we can go back into a little bit more of a balanced offensive attack. Cause we just kept jamming the big ball into Peyton and to the inside. That was just made us a little too predictable. 
and um, and and Richmond was doing a nice job defending him. Yeah, I mean, it's just so rare uh, to see that shooting percentage, but, you know, it's just a blip on the radar considering, you know, his entire career and body of work. And, you know, the good thing is, you know, Connor had, had you know, a little bit off nights shooting in game one and then Peyton in game two, just as long as it doesn't happen at the same day. Finally, let's go to uh, a midfield assessment. This is my favorite topic of the entire year. Tell me what you're seeing from this group. Obviously, Boyden showed out really well in the Richmond game with five points. But midfield assessment, let's let's talk offensive midfielders. Are we starting to, to see the picture? Um, you talked about wanting to push Griffin at the beginning of the season. I'm sure that's going to be a, a theme throughout the entire campaign. What's happening with your offensive biddies? Yeah, and there's still experimentation going on. One of the things we're thrilled about as a staff and certainly as a team is we're playing more men this year. Again, as we, made, we talked about earlier with the seasoned veteran leadership last year, it was a little bit more like the, uh, the the 1920s Yankees. You knew who was starting. You knew who that the lineup yep. was going to be like. There wasn't you know a whole lot of depth chart movement uh, from practice or week to week. And um, the, the battle for time is really being seen in the midfield. And so, you know, so far it's been Boyden uh, along with Griffin Shutt and Ryan Colsey at, at the first midfield line, and with uh, Will Corey. And uh, and a few different guys, the Truist Sunderland and yeah. Thomas Mankey and Will Enderlead, um, Mikey Harmeyer the second. So we're still stealing that out. But um, specific to shots, you know, he's he's been good, but there's more there. There's definitely there's more. another level, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And uh, yes, he draws a lot of attention. And yes, the offense has been focused, you know, primarily with our guys behind the goal and beating Peyton and all that. But we got to get shots going a bit more here. Um, I think the uh, you know the return of Patrick McIntosh gives us another weapon in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed the first game with injury and and played just a little bit against Richmond, but he's going to be back to full go this weekend against the Buckeyes. So uh, this, it's uh, it's a good problem to have uh, having a lot of talent to choose from. And and again, we're, we're relishing in that we're playing more men and more men have earned that time. Not only we're just handing out playing time, more men have earned it. So we go up against uh, Michigan, 28 guys played in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, against Richmond, 29 guys played in the game that was always close. That's about five or six more than normal in my years and watching our opponents, you know, rosters and who's playing. So we're really enjoying that. And um, so still tinkering, still experimenting there. Can't wait to see Pat Mack back out there, especially if he gets a short. We know what he can do uh, from the performance last year as he lit up Hopkins. So that's just another weapon in the arsenal. Can't wait for Sunday at 1 o'clock. Ohio State's in town. Folks, go out to Klockner. Um, Trust me, this team is so much fun to watch. And, Coach, thank you so much for the time and the chat on the best of seat in the house. Thank you, Luke. You're on the flagship station for the Virginia Sports Radio Network, WINA.